Keeping Up With Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure, bonus material, The Dad Files. In looking for material to read, I found an old folder that contains every article that I ever wrote about being a dad. From the very first time we knew we were having a baby, all the way through the adult life of my daughter and now her own children. Oh, I always get letters from people who say, hey, when you preach, you talk about your children too much. Well, being a dad is one of the most awesome responsibilities and one of the greatest adventures I've ever had. I hope you'll enjoy The Dad Files. Where can you find helping, healing, and humor all in one place? We'll hang out with Ben and Travis on the Ben and Travis podcast. Ben and Travis on their podcast strive to normalize the discussion about mental health among Christians and help people with their struggles and broaden their horizons. Their special guests are always educational and entertaining. I love these two gentlemen, and you will too. Hang out with Ben and Travis on the Helping Healing Humor podcast, benandtravis.com. You'll also notice they have a bat logo. For those of you who don't pick up on that, Ben starts with a B, Travis starts with a T, and starts with an A, Ben and Travis, the bat symbol. Ben and Travis podcast, Helping Healing Humor, is a sponsor of the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure and the Dad Files. She doesn't do anything. Well, she gurgles and smiles and hiccups. And and I must confess, I love holding a baby with hiccups. <laughs> it's It's a guilty pleasure. I don't know what there is about holding a brand new tiny human. Maybe it's in the control. I know she is safe in my arms. She is safe with my arms around her. I know she is warm when she is held against me. I know she is secure with the firmness of my embrace. She's not looking to be independent, free, in control, out there, chasing this or running from that. She, Rowan Harper Watkins, is content just to be held, and I like it. Gunner, on the other hand, has found his legs, the cabinet, and has discovered that a chair or a stool is a gateway to a wonderland of things that previously had been above his comprehension. The countertop and the table are new plateaus to explore and conquer. He doesn't like to just be held anymore. I'm not complaining. I'm I'm merely comparing. I have plans for his brand new love of climbing. (laughs) I think so often we are resistant to just being held. We want to learn to walk on our own, do it ourselves, get into the cabinets, climb the table and explore the Nestle's quick powder. Yet God has told us to stay close grow with him learn to be independent as far as maturity but to be very dependent on him for security love worth competence listen to the words of this song hold it all together 
everybody needs you strong. But life hits you out of nowhere and barely leaves you holding on. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's a freedom in surrender. Lay it down and let it go. So when you're on your knees and answers seem so far away, you're not alone. Stop holding on and just be held. Your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. I'm on the throne. Stop holding on and just be held. Just be held. In 1998, I opened up my private practice. I moved to a little small office on South Memorial Parkway. And across the hall from my office was a absolutely charming Southern gentleman named Mr. Walt Barty. He and his sister Anne ran Walt Barty Coins and Bullion. This little shop was eventually taken over by their grandson, Jared Bentley. Jared is one of the most pleasant people you'll ever do business with. If you're interested in investing in gold or silver, call Walt Barty Coins and Bullion, 256-883-9004, or use the 800 number, 1-800-608-6052. That's 1-800-608-6052. I'm guilty, and I apologize. I've done it to people. Standing at the top of a challenge course tower, needing water or a piece of equipment, I've quipped, just tie a clove hitch on that and send it up. Maybe I realized at some level that some people don't tie knots or even have a clue what the name of knots are. Well, the chickens have come home to roost and brought comeuppets with them. It was during the holidays and we were visiting the Minions. Four adults and two toddlers were trying to get ready to go somewhere. I was creating chaos on the couch with various noises and facial expressions, much to the delight of a certain one-year-old, and suddenly a frilly garment with flared, layered, ruffled leggings and a blouse top tunic thing more complicated than a straitjacket was flung up on me and the words, Dad, put this on her. I've put climbing harnesses on the clueless, rescue harnesses on the unconscious, and tied a chest harness on a guy who was suspended upside down on a cliff. So I began to untangle the Gordian knot and try to put it on the toddler. Think trying to put Chinese handcuffs on an octopus. If she doesn't keep her wrist straight, the sleeves won't work. I'm not sure if it's the friction coefficient or it's dark magic. If she keep her fingers open, the thing gets caught. If she bends her arms, they come out in the wrong places. There should only be four holes in this thing, right? Much to her enjoyment, my daughter heard me say, Rowan, you know that I can put an arm bar on a 300-pound man, but I can't get your little arm through this sleeve. (laughs) Okay. So I'm out of practice. But it serves to illustrate that what one does on a daily basis becomes habitual, second nature, comfortable, 
and leads to a certain level of competence, being prayerful, helpful, friendly, nice, evangelistic, and a servant are no more complicated than the other things we do with ease. And they are only easy because we are used to doing them. If we aren't used to doing them, they don't seem to be that easy. That's easy to change. We are good at what we do, and we tend to do what we are good at. Don't be afraid to stretch your comfort zone and make a new habit out of something that you may have been hesitant or avoidant to do. It was a nine-hour drive when you figure in fuel and other necessary stops. I spoke three times on a Saturday, taught a two-hour open discussion class to parents, was in the skit that the SWAT team, skits with the truth, presented, and spoke three times on Sunday. We loaded the van at 6.38 p.m. in Fordland, Missouri, and I was in my driveway at 3.30 a.m. Monday morning. At 6.15 a.m., I heard the word Jonesy come from beside my bed. I willed my eyes to open and my abs to contract and raise me up. And there stood Gunner and Rowan in my room, smiling and ready for adventure. Motivation to overcome fatigue. Deciding between what you want most and ignoring what you want now. Love. Knowledge that these days will be few and fleeting. I had no trouble getting up and responding to the sweet words. Chase me, Jonesy. (laughs) It really does boil down to a simple question. Or maybe just one word. Love. Love will empower and motivate us to act better than we feel. Love will cause us to act with a sense of urgency, knowing that the time we have with people will be limited. They may outgrow us, move away from us, outlive us, or die before us. But we do what we do with people because we love them more than money, sleep, comfort, ease, or convenience. It's the same when we choose to live for God. We love Him because that's how He chose to love us. Love is the intentional and, if necessary, personally costly investment into the good of another. It does not require reciprocity or return of investment, and it is never contingent upon those being loved, being deserving of our love. She's standing on your thighs. Her little feet are covered in socks that have little lacy things around the ankles. Her little fat legs look like they've been wrapped with rubber bands. And you move up and she's wearing a a frilly, lacy little dress 
with little pantaloons underneath it. Go all the way up. She's got a lacy collar. And then those stunning blue eyes and a little ribbon in her hair. Now, she's not old enough to walk. But she can support her weight on those little legs. And one hand holds the index finger of your left hand. And her other hand holds the index finger of your right hand. And she's balanced like a little marionette on your lap. She's standing there on your thighs and you're beaming at those blue eyes and thinking, man, I'm a dad. You're in church. It's quiet. Someone is speaking or they're having a moment of meditation and you get lulled into those beautiful blue eyes and she smiles that smile, maybe blows a little bubble and bam, she headbutts you right on the bridge of the nose. You can't cry out. You can't even let go of her and grab your head in pain. You just have to sit there and fight for balance and consciousness while the lights quit blinking behind your eyes. Yes, my daughter can headbutt. And she headbutts with the speed of a striking rattlesnake. She beguiles you into the safety zone with those blue eyes and that little smile. And then, bam, it's like quantum physics. Her head is here, and then it's in on the bridge of your nose. Now, Lonnie Beth loves men. She loves her papa. She loves pop. She loves Jimbo. Any of those older guys can grab her and walk all over the planet with her. She's not necessarily a fan of little old ladies. She calls them mamas uh, when she got a little older. Uh, I don't know what she had against it, but but some, for some reason, even as an infant, she didn't always like to be held by, by the, the granny-type ladies. I'd be standing in the foyer of the church. Maybe you've had... A little difficult episode, uh, keeping a small toddler or a pre-toddler busy during worship. And I'd be standing out in the foyer and one of the little blue hairs from church would come up and say, let me hold that baby. Ma'am, you, you, you don't want to hold this baby. Oh, give me that baby. And, and little old ladies can be pushy, especially little old church ladies. And they pry that baby out of your arms. And then you hear that unmistakable crack of a baby forehead against an octogenarian nose. And here comes a little old lady back across the foyer, her glasses sitting askew, a strand of hair, having gotten away and just hand the baby back to you like they were giving you something that was smelly or stinking. I, I told you, you didn't want to hold this baby. <laughs> Sometimes we want something and it's not what we want. We think it looks cute. We think it looks pretty. We think it looks harmless. And, and we take it, even though somebody's warned us, you, you don't want this, but we choose to take it anyway. How many people have gotten married being warned by their friends and families? Hey, this is not what you really want. How many times have we disobeyed what God said was good for us 
Because let's face it, everything God's ever asked us to do is good for us, and everything God's ever asked us not to do was bad for us. But we take those things, and God says, this is not what you really want. And we ignore that, and we gather it to us, and then lightning quick, it hurts us. We're shocked. We're stunned. We can't believe this has actually happened. And yet we find ourselves holding something and trying to give it back. Trying to send it away. It's kind of funny that my daughter headbutts people. <laughs> it's not funny when we take those things that God has told us we don't want and we insist that we want them, and we pry it out of the restriction that God has given us, and we take it with us, and then it hurts us. Solomon asked the question, can a man gather fire into his bosom and not be burned? We called it simply the swamp belonged to Marianne Smith, and she graciously let us spend time in, in her swamp. The swamp was a spring. It emerged from beneath a uh, cliff, maybe a 25-foot uh, straight rock wall, and the water bubbled out from under it. And the beavers at some point had dammed up this little spring and flooded several acres. Now, Swamp in the term that there's trees standing in water, there's aquatic vegetation growing beneath the water, and there's the little green round things floating on top of the water is why we call it the swamp. But, but it was actually crystal clear, cold water with a sandy bottom. We would park in Marianne Smith's yard and walk down the steep hill behind her house and carry my little eight-foot aluminum boat. I, I bought this boat and camouflaged it to hunt frogs with, but it became our swamp vehicle. You couldn't use a trolling motor in that little piece of water. You put the boat in, and we had these big, long sticks that we'd stick in the bottom and, and push our way through over the logs and past the stumps. You take a Texas rig plastic worm, flip it out into the moss, and as you pulled it across and found an open spot, as it sunk down into the water, the bass would just tear it up. Oh, I don't know how many hours I've spent in the swamp. I've been in the swamp with Tim Orbison and Derek Horst, uh, Jim Goins. I took Jackie down there when she was pregnant and made her walk down the hill. And then I pushed her around in the boat in the swamp, trying to maybe help her be uh, induced into labor just before she gave birth to Lonnie Beth. Before Lonnie Beth came along, I fished quite a bit. Now, I, I my schedule as a youth minister never allowed me to go spend much time on the big river, so I never had a big boat. I just used my little boat, and uh, I would leave and work and and fish, you know, an hour and a half or two hours after work until dark, and then and then go home. When Lonnie Beth came along, uh, I changed my fishing a little bit. I would take her to Madison County Lake. And I'd take one of those little tight swings, and I would throw a rope over two different trees and pull the ropes on the end 
and and with the swing attached to the middle of the rope and raise it up off the ground, put her in the swing, tie another rope to the bottom of the swing and, and carry the end of the rope with me and stand on the bank and fish and pull the rope and it would swing her. I didn't have to push her. I could pull her with the rope. I don't know how many afternoons she spent sleeping in that little swing while I fished at Madison County Fishing Lake. When she was a little bit older, not much older, Jackie started coaching softball at Meridianville. Now, the little ball field up at Meridianville is really close to Marianne Smith's house. And if you know where you're going, you can walk down through there and into the, the swamp. And so while Jackie was coaching softball, I would take Lonnie Beth fishing with me in the swamp. We would ease down in there and I would put her on my shoulders and she was wearing her little Snoopy life jacket and I would wade out into the water, maybe thigh deep, sometimes get waist deep. And I'd be flipping those plastic worms out and bringing them back and I'd get a little nibble and I'd say, daddy's got a bite, hold on. And she would grab my ears. I'd set the hook. Those little feet would come up and she'd yell, roll him up, daddy, roll him up. And we'd stand down there in that cold water, and I'd catch those little bass and release them until it got dark or until she started saying, bugs, daddy, bugs, which meant the flies were bothering her or either mosquitoes were biting her, and I would wade out of the swamp and back up the hill we'd go. Now, you've got to remember, this was a different generation. We parented our kids differently. Uh, there were a few helicopter parents around, but not many. And we exposed the kids to lots of really cool stuff. So before you call Child Protective Services on me, you got to remember that uh, I was waiting in a swamp. She had a Snoopy life jacket on and she had a, a flashlight. And we'd gone over that if something happens to dad and he can't get out of the water, you go to this and we'd had a, a spot marked. You go to that spot and you sit out of the water on the stump and you shine your light in the air till somebody comes looking for you. Mom knows where we're at. And I also was wearing a 357 Magnum and an inverted shoulder holster to keep it out of the water. Yeah, my daughter had a Snoopy life jacket and she was sitting on my shoulders in a swamp at twilight. And she was the safest little girl in America because there's no place safer for that little girl than on her dad's shoulders. And as I end this series of discussions talking about being a dad, this is a little out of order. We, we started with Lonnie Beth being born, and I've even talked about her now being a mother herself. But I wanted to end this series with, with the emphasis not on me as a dad, but on God as a father. In reviewing his history with Israel, Moses says these words to the children of Israel. And then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you. 
according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness, where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. I don't know where it is you're going. I don't know what it is you've got to pass through, whether it's the weeds, the briars, the wilderness, or the swamp. But please remember, as safe as your children are on your shoulders, we are all that safe on the broad shoulders of our Father. Twenty years ago, I was invited to be a guest at a special conference called Challenge Youth Conference. It's better known to most people as CYC. I've been a guest speaker there for the last 20 years and been privileged to work with their board. Uh, it's an annual event. It takes place uh, in Dallas uh, on Martin Luther King weekend, and it takes place in Pigeon Forge at the LeConte Center on the last weekend in February. This year, 2022, it will be January 14 through 16 at the Dallas Marriott in Los Colinas, Texas. It will happen February 25 through 27 at Pigeon Forge in the LeConte Center. The theme for 2022 is for me. From the beginning, God had a plan for you and for me. The different topics will be creation for me, redemption for me, in heaven for me. Some of your favorite teachers, along with Ben and Travis, and the Skits with a Truth guys, the SWAT team, will guide you through this spiritually equipping weekend. CYC is a sponsor of Keeping Up with Jones, the Lonnie Jones podcast adventure. You may find out more information, three W's and a dot, cyconline.com www.cyconline.com Did you know a home bought or sold can mean that help is given to those in need? With Rosenbloom Realty, a portion of their revenue is given to charities and nonprofits every single week. If you believe in helping those in need and are in the market to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, then consider the fact that partnering with Rosenbloom Realty means they'll give a contribution to mission work, food distribution, homeless programs, children's education, military and veterans programs, and many other great works. Rosenbloom Realty is a fourth-generation family-owned real estate company. To find out how they can help you while helping others, visit Give to my community.com. That's give to my community.com or visit them at rosenbloomrealty.com. Rosenbloom Realty, making lives a little rosier, one house at a time.